Well, it's great to see you. How many of you remember when you were trying to come up with names for your children? Yes, you remember that? It's tough, isn't it? At first, it seems really like an easy, easy task. All you got to do is come up with a few names. And, and you might even have some of those since you were in you know, elementary school because you always liked so-and-so's name better than yours. And so you're like, okay, that's what I'm going to name my kid. That's a cool name. And then you had some names that as soon as your spouse would throw it out, you'd go, oh, no. That reminds me of... And you start talking about that other person. There is no way I could name my child that. And so you keep going, and, and what really gets frustrating is when you have a great name and your spouse doesn't think so. You ever had that? Oh, man. So you're going back and forth, and, and if you were, you did a little bit of research, you would find out what the popular names were, and then you decided, do I really want to go with that or do I not? Do I want to alliterate my kids' names? You know, all of them have to start with A. Nope. All of them need to start with J. No, I, I like different names. So we, you start walking through that. And then you have to look at what? What the name means. Is this a good name? Is it not? Is it a strong name? What is the meaning of the name? Now, you start weeding those names out. Now, I don't think my parents did a very good job with my name. Here's why. Eugene was one of those names that you had to pass down. So that's my middle name, Eugene. And it means noble or well-born. Yes. But have you ever realized what the name Heath means? Let me help you out. It's used in like Beowulf when the witches were wanting to meet. They said, let's go meet on the Heath. They would use this in Old English. Actually, if you go over to London, you would find Heathrow Airport. Heath is a wasted grassland. Are you kidding me? I mean, my parents set the expectations high. So a wasted grassland, and so here we go. Now, you, you go through the names and you walk through it. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. These are names that are very famous. Many times we see this verse on postcards or Christmas cards. You, send it, you, you hear it recited on, in Christmas plays. It's, it's a famous verse. Is one that we've heard over and over again. And here's what I would like to do. Although this was written over 2,500 years ago, in fact, a prophet spoke these words, and when he spoke the words, Jesus hadn't even been born yet. It would be some 500 years after these words are spoken that Jesus comes onto the scene. So here's what I would like to do. I would like to walk through these names. There are four names given. And each of these four names, we're going to spend a week on each one of these names. Because I would like for you to grasp who this baby is that we worship. Because he's no longer just a baby. He's something much grander. Isaiah chapter 9, you have your Bibles. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is in the Old Testament it's one of, called one of the major prophets because it's such a hefty book. It's such a large book. Go all the way down to verse 6 and here's what the Bible says. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today we're going to focus in on Wonderful Counselor. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be able to come to a nice building, to a warm building. Thank you for the moisture that you've given us. God, thank you for even allowing us to decorate, to heighten the attention of this time of year. Father, I pray now as we have sang songs, we've worshiped you. Father, I'm asking now that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in this place. And I pray that we would be able to walk out of here a different people because we've heard from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So here we are, for unto us. Isn't it interesting how that even the prophet Isaiah, before Jesus has ever been born, he actually says, for unto us. Jesus, this little baby that we're celebrating, is more than just a child given to a set of parents. He is something that's more than just one nation or one city or one town. This is a child who's been given to us, a special gift, a special gift given to this world, all mankind. He is a special gift for unto us. This child has been born. See, this child is not something that's just ordinary, common, every day. This child was born like any other child. Took nine months in the womb. But there's something special and something different about this child. For this child was born. And in order for us to understand the amazing feat of just this one item, we have to go all the way back to understand that God has always been. God was present before time began, before this world began. In the beginning, God, plural. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. John tells us that Jesus, the Word, formed this world. Jesus, in the beginning, he has always lived. And when this world was formed, he was there. So here's what's amazing. The Bible tells us this child, who is not just a son, not just a child that's going to be of a normal birth, this child, there's something different. He's given to us. He's given to you. He's given to me. He's given to all those who have lived over the last 2,000 years. This child is different. You see, He's God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God who was always present, always here, always around. This God who created the universe actually came as a human, as one of us. The amazing feat of what we're reading right here is for unto us, this child is given unto us, this baby has been born in this major, in this time in which we celebrate, we are celebrating that God himself chose to come to this earth. You see, if this baby would have been normal, it would have had an earthly mom and an earthly dad. But as we read just a few moments ago, something dramatically different happens. 
an angel comes and says to a young teenage girl, you've been chosen. You're the one. You're the one that the Almighty has decided to work through. And in working through, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And when he comes upon you in your womb, you will conceive of a baby. And this baby is not going to have an earthly father. This baby is going to be different. This baby is going to be the actual God making himself human. You see, no other religion, no other thoughts. There's no other God in which you can try to worship in this world. Does a God actually leave heaven to become human in order to redeem people, a fallen and broken people for unto us? You see, this is the greatest gift. That God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave to us. Why do we give Christmas gifts? Is it because of Santa Claus? No, we don't give because of Santa Claus. We don't give because this this man in a shiny red suit comes to our house and he gives gifts and so we all have to give gifts to each other. That's not why we give gifts. Just a fun Christmas fact. Did you know up until 1931, Santa Claus was always pictured as an elf. But in 1931, you ready for this? A small little company, Coca-Cola, decided to picture Santa as a full-grown human. And ever since, the American culture has bought into Santa as a full-grown human instead of an elf. We don't give gifts. We don't give gifts because of Santa Claus. And I would pray as parents that you do an incredible job of making sure you walk your kids through this time of year. I don't know how you want to do it. I don't know how you walk through this in your own home. Let me just share with you just how we do this because I want to make sure my kids understand this season is about the greatest gift that God gave Jesus to us. And we give because Jesus was given because God shows us what it means. And so I don't know how you do it, but here's some of the things that we do as traditions in our home to make sure with our small kids, they understand and they remember. Usually we bake a Christmas birthday cake for Jesus. It's a birthday cake in which we put, we celebrate it as a birthday. We put candles and we actually celebrate and we sing happy birthday to Jesus. And then we get to have cake and we have fun. And it's just a way in which the kids get to help make the cake. There's powder and, I mean, just flour everywhere. It's a beautiful time in the kitchen. It's just a mess. But we get to celebrate. One of the other things we do, there's a, a song by um, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And it's, it's this, on a CD. And it's this little girl. She comes out and she sings, Happy Birthday, Jesus. And it's such a precious time. So in our family devotions, our family Bible time, our family altar, whatever you want to call it, during the month of Christmas, from the time Thanksgiving's over, we play that song every night as we finish our devotions, as we finish our Bible time, we sing that song together. And as my my girls have gotten older, they've kind of stopped doing some of it, but they still get up and they'll dance. So they're in their little night clothes and they're just dancing around and they're singing this song. And it's just a beautiful time in our family as a way to sing, it's still about you, Jesus. 
And I, I don't know what you do, but here's what I, I want to encourage you. Find some ways in which you as a family can remember unto us, we're celebrating something special. There is a Jesus, there's a baby who's been born and this is not just a baby. This was the God of the universe who came to live amongst us so that he can redeem us. For unto us, this child has been born. A son is given, a special divine gift in which God says, I love people and I'm sad that there's been a break in our relationship. And he says, I want to restore. And so he sends his son to this earth as a special gift so that you and I can be restored to him. What an incredible thought. Isn't that amazing? So there's a special gift. This baby who's been born, he's more than just a baby. So we're not gonna pray to little baby Jesus as someone quite famous in the race car industry has. We're not gonna pray to him. We're praying to something different, someone different. This is God, Emmanuel with us. So here we go. Isaiah continues, and he's talking about this baby coming on the scene, not the king's son, not King Ahaz's son. It's not gonna be Hezekiah. This is gonna be somebody different, somebody grander, because now Isaiah turns, instead of talking just about a baby, he now says, the governments will be what? On his shoulders. The image begins to change, and now he begins to talk as one who who is sitting on the throne, as a king who now in his full maturity now rises, and as he ascends up to his throne, he comes to the throne and he sits down, and as he sits on the throne, all things are under his rule. You see, this baby, this baby is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the one who rules supreme. Everything in this world belongs to who? Jesus. Everyone. It's his, it's under his rule. Presidents can't do anything unless Jesus says it's okay. Satan can't do anything unless Jesus says it's okay. He is the supreme sovereign ruler. He is the king of kings. All buildings belong to him. All the skyscrapers in downtown Dallas, they're his. His alone. Now, do all recognize his authority? No. But let me be very clear. Isaiah understood that this one who's coming to the throne, this baby who came, he is going to ascend to the throne and all the governments will. There is coming a day in which this baby, this baby, no longer a baby, this baby will come back as a man, Jesus. He's riding on a white horse and at his very mention of his name, Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. There is coming a time in which all will recognize this King. Now, Isaiah says something different now. He's helping us understand there's a King and he's gonna ascend. And when he ascends, he's gonna take names. This was a very common practice. If a king was going to ascend to a throne, he would take special names and he would say, this is who I want to be remembered as. This is what I want to be called. Now, we've, we've noticed this in history. Do you remember Alexander the Great? Ivan the, 
So we, we've, we've taken some of these names and we've done that before. Now, Isaiah is going to say, this is going to be a king and he's going to take some names when he sits on the throne. Even in Egypt, there was a king who, when he took the throne, he decided this is how he wanted to be called. Now, wouldn't it be fun? What would you be called if you could as- ascribe a name to yourself? Heath, the, what would you say for your name? Just put it in there. I want people to remember, this is how. And you start claiming names, the awesome, the incredible. What, what would you say? This is kind of funny. So here's an Egyptian king, and he says, I'm not going to just take one name. I'm going to take five names. Here's what he said. I want to be called the mighty bull. I don't know. Maybe he was a Longhorn fan way back then. I don't know. But yeah, Baylor's just kind of whooping up on me. Yeah, that was terrible. Never mind. One capable of planning. I, I want to be known as somebody who's really smart and I can plan ahead. Great and wonders. Filled with truth. The son of God, the son of Ra, to whom life is given. So he chooses some names. He says, this is how I want to be remembered. Now, Isaiah, with this new image, moving from a baby to now the throne. He says, this is what this baby's going to be. He's going to be the sovereign rule. He's going to be the king of kings. He's going to have all nations are going to bow down to him. He will be the ruler. And now this person, this Jesus, he's going to come up. And when he sets on his throne, he's going to take names and is called the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. In some English translations, it actually divides wonderful and counselor. But I would encourage you to understand that it's actually, a, the wonderful is a descriptive word for counselor. And you'll see it in some of the like English standard version, they're combined together. In Isaiah 28, chapter 28 and 29, there's, Isaiah does it again, where he combines the two, wonderful counselor. So wonderful is actually a description. So here's what he says, you ready? This is... Not just something that's common or ordinary. Wonderful. Have you ever used the word wonderful? That was wonderful chocolate cake. That was wonderful pecan pie. That was a wonderful program. Wonderful. We use the word and we use it in a very common place, don't we? But here's what Isaiah does. All throughout the Bible, when wonderful is used, it's used for the term of Yahweh, and it's not used in a trivial word. It's used as in awesome, extraordinary, over and above, something that's mind-blowing. Let me give you a couple incidents. Abraham and Sarah, do you remember them? Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're, they're old, real old. Matter of fact, when they're old, here's what an angel comes and says, you're gonna have a baby. And Sarah is going, there's not a chance I'm going to have a baby. She's old. Yeah, she's older than 30. She's older than 40. She's older than 50. She's older than 60. She's old. And she's going to have a baby. Now, that's kind of weird, isn't it? This old couple having a baby, it's just kind of weird. And Jesus, or the, the, the Lord comes to, and this angel says, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby and I'm going to multiply and, and you're going to, have to be a great nation. And Sarah does something when she hears that she's going to have a baby. She does something that you did just now. She laughs. She laughs. She chuckles. And then the response by the Lord is this. Is there anything too hard 
for the Lord? It's a good question, right? Is there anything too hard? The answer would be no. But the word hard, is there anything impossible? Is there too, anything too amazingly overwhelming that the Lord can't do? That word, that concept is it. When you say wonderful, is there anything that's so big that God can't do? The answer is no. David, when he's writing the Psalm 139, he begins to, to think about how big God is and how miraculous God is. What does he do in Psalm 139? Psalm 139, he says, God, you're so big. If I could get up and wake up early in the mornings and I could climb onto one of the rays of the sun and I could travel at the speed of light to the very far distances of the earth where the sun is just now peeking through. If I could go there at the speed of light, I, I couldn't beat you. You're already there, God. David then goes, okay, God, if I could, if I could climb to the highest height, if I could get to the, the tallest mountain, if I could go even beyond this, this world to the highest heights, I couldn't escape because you're already there, God. And then David says, I can't even go to the deepest, darkest caverns in the ocean. Those that, which we, even in our modern technology, can't even explore at this moment. He says, God, I can't even escape your presence there. And here's what he says. This is blowing my mind. That's Heath's translation. This is blowing my mind. This is so big. I can't even understand it. I can't even fathom how big you are, God. This is too difficult, too hard for me. Christmas, 1959, California. A lady goes to her Christmas program. By the way, the Christmas program's next Sunday night at five o'clock. That was a nice little transition, wasn't it? All right, so she goes to her Christmas program. She sits there and she's watching. And, and so here comes Mary and the baby and Joseph. And it's just an incredible scene. The, the angels are singing. And it, it's just a beautiful moment. And then the pastor yells out. Those pastors, they interrupt things all the time. She's, he, the pastor yells out, his name's wonderful. He was just overwhelmed. And he just said, his name's wonderful. And when he said that, Audrey Meyer picked up her pen and she quickly wrote down that his name is wonderful. And then she started going through her concordance and she started working through. And she, over the next couple days, penned these words. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Do you know the song? Jesus, my Lord, his name is wonderful. He is the mighty king, the master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd. <laughs> the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him, love and adore him. His name is wonderful. This is the awesome, overwhelming, mind-blowing God. And when he sits upon the throne, he is not little baby Jesus. He is the one to be revered and to be amazed at. And then the Bible says, counselor. So he's an amazing, overwhelming counselor. Picture a king sitting on his throne. And when you walk into the king's courtroom, 
you find the marble, the columns, and people decked out in all their highly, high costly robes and their jewelry. And as the king sits on his throne, people will walk in. And as they walk in, they see men over on the sides, all dressed in the same apparel. And they're looking very astute. And as they stand there, the king would hear matters. And as he would hear, these would be called the wise men sitting over on the side. And if the king needed to understand the great strategy or needed to know what to do, these wise men would say, king, this is what we think. Here's what we know. And they would give wisdom. This baby though, you ready for this? This baby, when he sits on the throne, this Jesus When he sits on the throne, he is a great counselor. He does not need those other counselors because he is the one who is the great strategizer. He is the one who's planned far more than you could ever imagine. He is down to the very detail. How many of you like details? Anybody? You're detail-oriented. Raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Way to go. Everybody else, how many of you can't stand details? Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay. Now this is the God, ready? This is the God who is a great strategizer, the great detail giver. He is the one who understands just how to move the oceans around and turn the currents by just placing a moon in the sky and having it orbit around. It was his detail just to put the moon in the sky, to light the world at night. It was his thoughts. I just need to stir up the ocean every once in a while. High tide, low tide, it's his thoughts. It's his thoughts who says, okay, I can take one acre of Christmas trees, one acre of Christmas trees, and I'll provide enough oxygen for 18 people. Isn't that amazing? It's this God who, when he sits on the throne, this Jesus, when he sits on the throne, he is the great counselor. Let me help you out. He knows everything. He knows all. He knows all because he's been there. Before time ever began, he knows all. He knows what you did last night. He knows where you were. He knows what you thought. That's a little scary. He knows what you're going to do. He knows your past. He knows your future. He knows what you're going to do this afternoon. He knows where you'll be in 10 years. He knows all. He knows all. He sees all. Now, we typically like to say he sees all as a bad thing, don't we? I know when we're driving in the car, I actually, I tell my kids that I see what's going on behind me. I have eyes in the back of my head. I don't think they're believing me anymore because they're getting smart. But there's this mirror that's right up here that I can catch them doing things. This is the God who sees all without having to actually lie about it. He sees everything that's going on. He knows all, he sees all, he understands all. Let's be real honest. This is the God who understands everything before it could happen. He understands what's going on in your life and what's happening in your life. He is a God who's never been stuck. Have you ever been stuck? I mean, really stuck, stuck in a marriage, stuck parenting. You have no idea what to do with those kids. Stuck, stuck in your relationship, stuck in your work. You're working for a boss who just doesn't get it. You're stuck. You ever been stuck? This is a God who understands what's going on in your life. He understands it all. 
and he's never been stuck. He is the great counselor. He's never been stuck. This is exciting because nothing has ever caught him off guard. Nothing. Do you like surprises? Those special surprise gifts or special surprise offerings that you get? Maybe it's a special you know, birthday gift. And then you open it up and you're going, oh, that's not really that good. Those special, he's never been caught off guard. This God, this counselor, this one who sits on the throne, he's never been caught off guard. He's never been stuck. He knows all, he sees all, he understands all, he plans all. He even has a strategy. He even has strategies in which he says, I plan it all and I know how it's going to end and I know where I want it to end. I know what I want it to look like when it ends. He plans all. He plans all, ready for this? He plans all in such a way that for those who love him, he actually says, you're stuck, you're hurting, cast your care upon me for I I can carry that load. He not only says that, he says, if you love me and you put me first, he says, all things will work together for good to those who love me. He says, I plan it. I can work it out. I can do it for you. This is my counselor. This is the baby in which we're celebrating because when he sets upon the throne and he is now, then I know that I have a God in whom he's not stuck. I can go to this counselor and he has the answers. And he says, I'll carry that load and I will help you through it. Doesn't it make you want to love him even more? It just should increase our love, shouldn't it? In which we say, wow, this God knows he can actually take me through it. He understands what I'm going through. He understands my past. He understands it all. And this is the God who's sitting on the throne. This is the Jesus that we're celebrating. And he has come and he knows everything that's going on in my life. I can't trick him. And he says this last thing. He says, he welcomes all. This is one of those amazing, mind-blowing thoughts. You see, for a king, when he sits on the throne, if you remember back all the way back to Esther, you could not just enter into the king's presence unless you had been what? Invited in. Unless the king says, yes, I want you to come into my presence. You couldn't enter in at all. And if you entered in in an unworthy manner, the sentence was death. And this king, when he sits upon the throne, you ready for this? He says, whosoever will may what? Come. He gives you and I an invitation. He says, I'm the gift God has given me as the gift. And as the gift, I've loved the world so much that I gave my own, I gave myself so that whosoever believes on Jesus should not perish. Isn't that amazing? That today you and I, we can actually come into the presence of this great king. And he says, come, I welcome all. I'm opening my doors. I'm allowing you to come in. And when you come into this presence, you're not coming in based on your works. You're not coming in based on how good you've been. You're not coming in based on your anything else. You're coming in because of what Jesus has done. And so now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's where you start. But for you and I who do know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, here's what should cause us to just humbly worship him today. 
I can come to him and say, Father, this is Heath. You know what's going on in my life. I don't know how to get out of this. I'm stuck. I need your wisdom. Would you help me? And I have a heavenly father who says, I'll answer and I'll show up in your life. That's an incredible God.